You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 405. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 405. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith. Hello, pod people. Amy here, and I'm kicking off a very short two-part series about dealing with criticism. And before I jump into all of that, I wanted to make you all aware that I'm going to be changing up the format just slightly. I'm still going to be doing Dial It an Expert. I'm still going to be doing tool episodes where I present a different modality like hypnosis or Enneagram or various things that can help you work towards growing your personal development. But what I found was a little bit challenging was trying to get one topic with all four of the various formats. And what I ended up doing is I would see somebody who I'd really want on the show and then I would go, oh gosh, how do I fit what they're talking about into a four-part series. So it just became a little too labor-intensive. So I'm still going to be doing all of those various formats, also including where sometimes I'll coach somebody on the air. But I'm just not going to be stringent to having all four or three that fi- that work perfectly where there's always a tool, always an expert, always a coaching session. So I'm just going to roll with the punches. And so this week, I'm going to start by talking about dealing with criticism. And then next week, I have a really powerful interview with an incredible woman named Dr. Jessica Higgins. She is brilliant. And she's going to be talking to you all about criticism inside of relationships and more acutely focused on intimate partnerships. So you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. Let's jump in then to seven different ways that you can powerfully deal with criticism. So the first thing before I even jump into these seven different pieces is to recognize that Because of how we are wired as humans, we have a natural defense mechanism anytime we feel threatened. So if you think that, oh gosh, I just have a really hard time with rejection or I can't deal with criticism, that's not unique to you. Yes, some of us might be a little more empathic or sensitive or whatever it might be, but we all are designed to tap into our fear responses where we might want to fight, get defensive, we might want to flee, run away. We might have all of these very natural instincts to dealing with criticism. So I just want to throw that out there that if you have a difficult time with that, congratulations, you are most certainly not alone. Now, a bulk of what we're going to be talking about today are ways that you can navigate criticism after it's happened, where you're feeling the effects of it, you're trying to figure out why you are so bummed out or what to actually do with the criticism. But the first thing that I want to jump off with is what to do in the actual moment of being criticized. Now, most of the time when somebody criticizes you, 
you are taken off guard. Now, not always, right? There could be a situation where somebody asked you for some time to talk or you're sitting down with your boss and you have a feeling that there's going to be some criticism coming your way. But a lot of the time, we're taken off guard. And that really fucking sucks because that kicks in that primitive fear response where we go, oh my God, I'm being threatened. Better be super defensive slash kind of fight or maybe I should flee. Maybe I should run away. Maybe I should freeze. Maybe I should fawn. Fawn is overly people pleasing. So in that moment, here's what I suggest you do. Take a really deep breath And then memorize this phrase. To be really honest with you, that comment has taken me off guard. And I'd like to really give it some more thought before I respond. Period. You are basically saying, I need to process this before I jump down your throat or start saying, oh, yeah, well, you do this. And you, you know, right? It's it's a way to kind of go all right, this couldn't completely go off the rails and become a tit-for-tat sort of thing unless I stop it in the moment. Now, if somebody keeps going, don't get baited by the actual content of what they're talking about. And that's really difficult because especially if you're being criticized about something, we naturally want to defend. We naturally want to say, hey, that's not true. No, I don't do that. I only do that because of this. Do not do that. Say again your boundary statement. Again, I understand that this is something that that's of importance to you. And to ensure that I don't say something that I don't mean or that's unfair, I really need some time to process this before I thoughtfully respond. Reiterate the boundary. But starting by taking that deep breath and then just be straight up honest that it caught you off guard. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. Or, well, that sure came out of left field. You can tweak it however you want, whatever feels the most natural cadence for you. But just saying, wow, that took me by surprise or that comment really took me off guard, I'd like to give it some thought before I respond. Truly hope you can understand or move on to the next subject. Thank you so much. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to go use the restroom. Or how is your kid doing? How was the baseball game? Whatever it is, do not allow the person to continue to take control of that conversation. You have to be in charge of okay, wow, that does feel like a threat. I'm recognizing my fear response and I need to shut the shit down. Now, with all the different types of verbiage that I've shared with you over the years, I highly suggest that you come up with a phrase that works well for you, memorize it, and then rehearse it. The reason why a lot of this stuff just rolls off of my tongue now is because I say it over and over again, not only in my personal interactions, but because I teach it. I'm telling it to students and clients over and over again. So now when I'm faced with that interaction, it is my gut response. It is available for me to say rather than becoming super defensive. It is a skill set like anything else. So if you think, oh, I'm not wired for that or, oh, I just, no, I used to not be either. I could have won the doormat award 
for just being walked all over, for not speaking up for myself. Even though I was outspoken and gregarious, I was the absolute biggest people pleaser. And that's what I see a lot with my clients and students as well. Okay, so that's number one. Recognize in the moment, take a deep breath, and then put off the conversation. Say, I'm not equipped right now to give this as much of a thoughtful response as I would like. I'm going to need to table this or I'm not able to discuss this with you right now. Be boundaried, okay? Number two, give yourself a cooling off period. Now, sometimes we don't have this luxury. Sometimes we are cornered by a partner or a best friend or a family member. But if you are able, go decompress, Take some time. Now, let's say you get a a nasty comment at a group function where you're at like a party or something and you're hanging out there for the rest of the evening. You may not be able to journal about it or ball your eyes out or take your fist to some punching bags or whatever, but schedule that in because if you try to override that, like, oh, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. It will come out in some other way. So give yourself the chance to vent it. Sometimes you have to slightly postpone that venting, but it does need to happen. So if it's something that happened during your workday and you can't necessarily disappear at that moment because you have a meeting you have to be a part of, then after work, when you get home, specifically put on something that's going to make you cry And do some controlled emoting where you're in control of here's when I'm going to lose my shit and actually release the struggle that that was from hearing that criticism. Here's the other reason why this is so important. If we don't give ourselves the chance to process and really feel what we feel, we tend to make really poor decisions. So you can liken this to, let's say you've had a really, really stressed out day and you get home, your kid does something that frustrates you, and you just fly off the handle. Why? Because you have all this pent up energy that hasn't been addressed and released. And so it will come out. It oftentimes just comes out in a way that we feel like we can't quite control it or it causes more damage than is necessary when it could be mitigated by just saying, hey, mom's had a really tough day or hey, love, I have had a really tough day. I need to just disappear for a little bit and decompress. Give yourself a cooling off period. The other thing that's important about that is if we don't do that, a lot of times we respond out of our anger. We're so hurt that somebody was critical of us that we want to retaliate. We want to cause harm in response. We want to reciprocate that harm. So we have to make sure that we are fully composed and cooled off so that we can actually process the comment for what it actually was. All right. So giving yourself a cooling off period. Number three, is the criticism destructive or constructive? examining the intent of that other person. And usually you cannot see this very clearly at all until you've cooled off. Because in the heat of the moment, it's always going to feel destructive. 
it's going to be so easy to write that person off or be dismissive and say like, well, they always do this or they're always coming at me about that or I can never do anything right or here we go again and blah, blah, blah. And you're not able to really thoughtfully, objectively evaluate. But once you have cooled down, once you are in more of an emotionally neutral place, and for some people, this is hours, other people, it might be a day or two. It depends on the severity of the criticism. Now, what I'm not talking about here is I'm not talking about vitriolic abuse. That's not something that we sit and tolerate. Okay, so if somebody is violently name calling you or screaming and yelling accusations, this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where there's something that's been said about something you've done or been or acted as that somebody else has a problem with and they've expressed it to you. And perhaps it hasn't been the kindest way that they delivered it, but I'm not talking about all out yelling and screaming reality show style. That's straight up fucking verbal abuse and you just remove yourself from that situation as soon as possible for your own safety. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to assume that we're dealing with something a little bit different than that. Is the criticism destructive or constructive? That's where you start to evaluate what was the intent of this other person? Was their intent to take out their own shit on me? Are they frustrated because of pain that's going on in their own life? Is this something that is genuinely from a good place, but maybe a faulty belief system? And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Is this a genuine concern? Is this something that maybe I do really need to own and I do really need to look at? Start looking at what do I assume the intent is from the person who's talking to me? Now, I've received certain criticism from my mom that is due to a very stark contrast in our belief system and what we view as somebody who she is a born-again Christian. I am an agnostic atheist. So there will be things that she is critical of me for that is still a pure intent. She's not doing it from a malicious place. It's from what I deem a faulty belief system where she believes that she's genuinely saving my soul or she's convicted to talk to me about that. So I know she's not like, let me hurt Amy at all costs. Sadly, the belief system that she subscribes to causes pain and suffering, at least in my case. So in those situations, I can untangle the two and recognize, okay, she's not deliberately behaving from a place of malice. She's operating under a belief system that doesn't allow her the expanse to accept me from the place that I'm at. All right? So that's a, that's a process of going, okay, that although it has pure intent is destructive, so that's where it gets a little bit a little bit uh, tricky because intent is not always the same as constructive or destructive. Somebody could have the purest intent like she does and still be very destructive in because of the dogma that she is delivering or because of the belief system or whatever. And I'll give you a couple of more examples here in a little bit. 
So start looking at that. So we've got in the moment, you take the breath, you say your boundary statement. Number two, give yourself a cooling off period. Allow yourself to process. Number three, is the criticism destructive or constructive? Number four, examine the surface issue versus the root issue. Now, this can be complicated depending on the type of relationship. And I should say, too, that not all of these are going to be directly applicable to whatever situation that you found yourself in that you've received some criticism. It's likely that a handful of these things will apply to what's going on because they will vary depending on the intimacy of the relationship. It's different with your partner versus a subordinate at work versus a long-lost relative that you don't talk to except for on family functions. So all of these are going to be malleable depending on the depth of the relationship. But examining the surface issue versus the root issue, I cannot tell you how many times I have worked with students on this because most of the time we will argue or criticize somebody about a surface issue when there is a root issue at play. A classic example of this is when a partner is critical of you for working too much. They say you work too much, you spend too much time on this hobby or that hobby. But at the root, what they are saying is I need more of you. There's a need that's not necessarily getting met. Now, that need that's not being met is not always your responsibility. So, for example, back in 2017... When Mr. Smith and I were moving across the country from Southern California to here in Charlotte, North Carolina, we had some massive, massive changes that were happening inside our lives in every possible area, geographically, work-related, and then the roles that each of us have had in the relationship. So up until that time, we had almost always been halvesies. We had vacillated a few times where it was like, One person was contributing maybe 70% income-wise and the other was 30 and things like that. But a majority of our relationship, it's been 50-50. Well, at this juncture, because Mr. Smith was leaving a brick-and-mortar business in California and my business was 100% online, we knew that for the very first year of our time in North Carolina, I would be 100% the supporting breadwinner, which we had never had as a dynamic in our relationship. Either way, for one partner being the sole provider. So Mr. Smith was really grappling with that role change, but he didn't quite realize it. So not only had he given up a practice that he had taken 10 years to build to extreme levels of success, he was leaving that He was completely starting over. He was moving geographically to a completely different area of the country to acclimate to. And on top of that, now his wife was going to be paying for everything. So prior to moving, we ended up having this most amazing time where we took about three weeks to see the entire U.S. and took our sweet-ass time getting to North Carolina. And we started with a trip in Hawaii. And the trip in Hawaii was the last big hurrah of 
something that Mr. Smith was paying for. And so there were a lot of ways that he was extremely controlling and he was kind of, I shouldn't say extremely, where he was more controlling than he had ever been about really silly things. Like when we would be taking a selfie, he'd be like, no, let me hold it and let me position it over here. And I was like, geez, like, calm down. It's not that serious. Or the agenda of where we were going to be or what beaches we were going to see. He was being a little bit more forceful and controlling. So the root issue of his criticism was his own shit, was his needs that weren't being met, but they weren't necessarily my responsibility to meet. So this could also happen if you are highly critical of your best friend and it's because you're not actually really very happy in your own career. So maybe you have this need that's not being met to be fulfilled in your career, but it's not that other person's responsibility to fulfill that need. So it's it's a little bit complicated in that way. But if you start examining what is the surface issue, okay, so the surface issue of Mr. Smith being critical of me was how we're going to take the damn selfie or where we were going to spend our time that day. The root issue was him grappling with the role changes inside our marriage. And that was actually his responsibility. And it was only through some slight explosions, I'll say, that we had a real kind of come to Jesus about it and was able to figure that out and completely work through it, obviously. But I think that warrants looking underneath because if we even look at what anger is and most of the time when we're critical of somebody, there's a a tone of anger. There's an element of anger to it. But anger is a secondary emotion, meaning that there's a primary emotion underneath that. If you are behaving from a place of anger, it could be you are really frustrated because of things that are going on at work or you're feeling really overwhelmed with the role you have in your family or you have been feeling a lot of shame about a decision that you made and so it comes out as anger or criticism towards another person. So you can examine the surface issue versus the root issue with both yourself and other people. When you are critical of others, what's really going on? When they're critical of you, what's really going on? And again, that's going to be quite varied depending on the nature of the relationship. For example, if you have a really open and honest relationship with your boss, you might be able to call that out. But in many workplaces, you might not be able to say like, hey, I think you're you're being overly critical of me because your boss is, is handing you your ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? You may not be able to be that forthright in that kind of a relationship. So it's going to vary depending. All right, number five is consider the source. How close are you to this person? Can I straight up disregard this criticism? For example, online trolls, people you don't know, anyone sliding into your DMs, saying really mean shit. Those people, you have 100% permission to completely disregard, to not respond to, to not look at your own actions. If they are malicious, if they are vitriolic, 
You do not have to entertain that. Now, if somebody is highly critical of you and you're really close to them, then it's likely that it's going to hit home, that it's going to be really painful. And there's probably some element of truth in it. It may not necessarily be something you totally want to change about yourself, but there might be a little element of truth. And so it's worth considering that. And this is something that I work with my students on all the time because it's very different to receive criticism from someone and be able to go, ooh, ouch, that stings, that hurts, versus being completely taken out by it, whether they're a stranger or somebody close to you. And what I find is when you're not really anchored into your own self-worth, it is so easy to be destroyed by other people's criticisms. So a lot of my students will, once they've started to really bolster that belief in their own worth, it doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt when somebody's critical. But what it does mean is they're not destroyed by it. They can recognize what's their responsibility and what's my responsibility. And so you kind of grieve it and you let it go. And one of the things that I see very consistently is the resilience starts to be implemented much faster. So things that might have taken someone out and made them really down in the dumps for a couple of months takes maybe two days. So it starts to really lessen its kind of incubation time. And I will say, if if you're struggling with this at all, where criticism feels like it genuinely takes you out, it's highly likely that you're collapsing the opinions of other people with your self-worth. You're saying, if they don't approve of me, if they don't like me, if they don't think I'm making powerful decisions, that must mean I'm not valuable. And we need to untangle that collapse. If you are interested in digging deeper into that, that is exactly what I do in my signature program, which is called Deep Down and Dirty. It's an intensive. It lasts almost four months. And it's designed to really reroute the neural pathways in the brain. It works with your subconscious faculty of the mind. So it's likely that you've created, up until this point, some sort of subconscious belief that other people's opinions matter more than yours, that you're not deserving of happiness, that you're not worthy, which then leads you to doing things like excessive people-pleasing, perfectionism, chronically doubting yourself, speaking really negatively to yourself, So if you're interested in that deep dive and you want to finally fucking make a change, go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. Have a watch through that masterclass that I've created for you, and you'll get a real solid understanding of what Deep Down and Dirty is all about. At the very end of that workshop, which is completely packed, by the way, so have a pen and paper handy, you will see an opportunity to book a call with a member of my team where you can discuss if Deep Down and Dirty is the right path for you, if the things that you've been up against can really be rectified through the work that I do in that program. So again, check it out in the show notes, or you can go directly to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. All right, so number five is consider the source. How meaningful is this content to you? Now, sometimes it's not 
just because you're close to that person, but because they're actually in charge of your livelihood in some way, like a boss or uh, somebody that you work with, where the criti- you need to find favor in their eyes because your career depends on it. So that is a little bit of a different come from. But you can still recognize that as this matters to me because of the influence this person has on my career. And it can also mean something to you because of how connected you are to them or how close you are to them. All right, number six, this is where we dismantle it even further, is the criticism about you, is it about really about the other person or about both? Now, this is where we're taking the root issue versus the surface issue and we're going, okay, is this root issue, is what this is really about, is this is about me? some shit I need to clean up? Is this actually their shit? Or is it maybe a little bit of both? And again, I want to amplify that it's largely when there's a need not being met for that person who's offering the criticism. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It could be a criticism that's quite constructive about, I want to feel like I matter to you in this relationship or I want to feel maybe you're talking to your best friend that you care about making plans with me as much as I care about making plans with you I don't know if you have ever had those situations where you have a friend who you feel like if you did not initiate if you did not set up all the plans and the get-togethers nothing would ever happen that could be a critique of them that's highly constructive, that's coming from a place of wanting to better the connection and genuinely being invested in the relationship. So let me give you a couple of examples of what this might look like. So let's say you are a part of the queer community. You are living your best life. You are, you're out, you're proud. Maybe you are trans or you're non-binary or you're gay or whatever it is. And your family begins to share their unsolicited opinions about your, quote, lifestyle. This is similar to what I was talking about earlier with my mom. It is destructive because the criticism is coming from a damaging belief structure to you. Because you don't share that belief structure, it is highly abusive. It's destructive. This is a perfect example of it is a them issue. That criticism is really about them, not about you. Now, let's talk a different scenario. Your bestie gently tells you that you might want to consider making a change in your career since you frequently complain and share about how much you hate your job but really don't do anything about it. And let's say they delivered it kindly. They were gentle. They said, hey, I've noticed that we've talked a lot about your discomfort and how much you don't enjoy your job, yet I don't see you taking a lot of action on that. In that situation, it's more so about you. It's about, oh, wow, this person that I love, that I'm in a good connection, connected relationship with has highlighted something that I may genuinely need to work on. All right. So that's an example of it is a you issue. Now let's talk about if it was both. 
So maybe your boss tells you that you are always worrying about things that don't matter that much and they wish that you would just let things go a little bit easier. And let's say she says it in a really harsh, judgmental tone. She's a little more snappy. Now, the reason it's partly her issue is because she just found out some really tough news and her frustration and sadness and upset were actually directed to you in her delivery. And she may actually have a point that you can tend to nitpick things that ultimately don't have much bearing on the outcome. That's a situation where it might be both. It's both, hey, she should not have said that to me in that way. She needs to own that she has other shit that's going on and she may not, right? She may not own it. It might be up to you to just go, I recognize what's happening in order to make peace and move beyond it. And I recognize that, hey, even if she said that in the kindest way possible, it's still, yeah, there's some merit there. It really is something that I should consider. That has gotten in the way of my own happiness. And what I want to highlight again about all of these things that I've shared with you is it's virtually impossible to have this type of introspection when you're fuming, when you're furious. So I cannot stress enough how important it is to give yourself that time to cool off. And then finally, number seven, this is where you really look at your role in the matter and your learning. Is there any merit to the criticism? Now, it may have come wrapped up in a package of anger and acrimony and may have been really biting, but maybe underneath that really harsh package, there's some truth. There's something that you may want to improve upon. And sometimes it is given to us in the kindest, most loving package and all sorts of different packages in between. And we still don't want to hear it because it fucking hurts. It just hurts. We don't ever want to hear that. Again, it registers in our brain as a threat. We want everything to be nice and harmonious and peaceful, but that's not always the case. But here's where you have the opportunity to be a bigger and better person. What do I want to do with this? Do I want to dismiss it and let it go? Do I want to acknowledge that there might be some room for me to grow here? When I've really quieted my mind, when I've had that time to process, is there anything that I want to do differently? Is there anything that would make me more proud of the person that I am considering this feedback? So you almost have to separate the package that it came in Because whenever it's wrapped up in a really angry package, it's easy to dismiss. But a lot of times it's just that it was faulty delivery. (laughs) Not always. But there's been some faulty delivery. So you have to really look at it behind that and go, would I want to do anything differently? So many, many years ago, this was probably a good 10, 11 years ago when I first started my business, I wrote a blog post And got a really awful response. And I looked at it and I kind of was super taken aback. I was so angry. I was crying. I was frustrated. I was so sad. It hurt. It really hurt. It was a really eloquently written response to something that I had written. And so it was much harder to disregard, right? Because it was not a troll. I've definitely had 
trolling responses that I'm just like, delete, goodbye. As Brene Brown says, if you're not willing to get into the arena and be seen, then fuck off. And I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) So I took some time to process. I really looked at it. And then I started to examine, is there any merit here? Do I agree with any of the sentiments from this person? Are there any things that I would do, any of those things that I would do differently? And I looked back and I kind of went, you know what? No. I actually stand behind everything that I said. I don't agree. And I am going to release that. I'm going to allow that opinion to be hers. I don't share that stance. And I'm not going to change anything about my behavior. Now, there have been a myriad of times with Mr. Smith where we've talked through things and I've gone, you know what, you're right. I do need to change that approach or I do need to be different in that sort of behavioral context. So uh, I've done this also with my my very best friend where we've had thoughtful conversations that have been really hard to hear. But I've recognized, yeah, there's some merit to that. And in order to be proud of the woman that I am, I do need to tweak my behavior a little bit. I do want to be better. So this is where it's about you and the advancement that you want to make. So there you have it. Seven powerful ways to deal with criticism. Let's size this up one more time. Number one, in the moment, take a deep breath. State that boundary. Number two, give yourself that cooling off period. Incredibly important. Number three, analyze. Is the criticism destructive or constructive? Examine the intent a little bit. And even if the intent is pure, is it based on a faulty belief system that is actually destructive according to you? Number four, examine the surface issue versus the root issue. Number five, consider the source. How big of an impact is this person in your life? Number six, is that root issue actually about you, the other person, or both? And then finally, number seven, is there any merit? Is there anything that you want to slightly change in order to be more proud of the person that you are? So I'm so thrilled to bring this to you. And I hope that it was helpful for you in examining the behavior of other people and also your own behavior if you tend to jump into a critical perspective quite often. Next week, I cannot wait to bring you the episode with Dr. Jessica Higgins. So definitely stay tuned for that. And again, if you know that your self-worth is so contingent on what other people think of you and believe about you so much so that it stifles your happiness and your ability to go after things that you actually give a shit about or even believing that you deserve to be happy, then honey, something's got to shift. We have got to get to the root of that and start changing it. And fortunately, I know exactly how to do that. So go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. Have a watch through that masterclass. And then if you're interested in digging deeper in Deep Down and Dirty, book a call with a member of my team to talk about it and we can discuss all the specifics. And I will see you right here the same place next week. Here is to loving and living the most badass life. 